the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Welcome to another edition of the Spot Track Podcast. My name is Mike Gennetti. It is Monday, September 25th, an all NFL show. Major injuries and their future contract statuses. Of course, Aaron Rodgers, Nick Chubb, Trevon Diggs in that mix. And then a future breakout of the Miami Dolphins because they are the team, the team, the talk, the team, the uh, Super Bowl contender now, the MVP leading candidate into a tongue of Viola. What does this roster look like after 2023? What kind of extension situations, UFA situations are they getting themselves into? How sustainable is this product? Um, spoiler, there's money coming. They've already spent a lot. There's plenty more to be spent here in the next really six months to keep this band together, or at least to keep the core of this band together. That's in the middle of the show. And then a flip on its head discussion about how the Dolphins got there, right? The carbon copy structure of the San Francisco 49ers and why other teams like the Bears, who are certainly floundering, aren't taking that approach and are still trying to just get the quarterback. It's an all NFL show, and that's next. All right, catch it up on a few things today because sort of like to let the NFL season digest just a little bit before we dive into uh, too much of the reactionary stuff. But some injuries have hit. Some major players are out for the year. Just want to talk future contract statuses now that the dust has settled a little bit. Of course, Aaron Rodgers is the number one name on this list. Restructured his contract when he was traded to the Jets. It's going to be $75 million no matter what, unless he walks away from this game. Um, I can't imagine that's going to happen. And even thus, he'll probably claim that he's walking away from this game from an injury standpoint, and there's injury protections on all that, that $38 million next year. So I think for all intents and purposes, whether he plays or not, we can guarantee that 36 and change this year, the 38 and change next year, is going to be his. My assumption is that he will be back, that he wants to give this team at least one Hail Mary effort, and that's what it will be at age 41, recovering from this ridiculous injury. There is a 2025 year built into this contract. It's $37.5 million. There is no early vesting guarantee on it. He has a full note trade clause, so there's not that to discuss either. If the Jets feel like they have to get out of this $38 million, they have to work with him to do that. But that's the deal. Um, 2024 is fully locked in place. It's injury locked in place. The only possible way that it gets depleted here is if he basically says, I'm healthy, but I don't want to try to come back and ruin what could be the next 25 years of my life with an even worse injury. I don't think that's where we're headed. And contractually speaking, it certainly makes sense that he will be back in the fold in 2024. Nick Chubb, nasty injury last Monday night for Cleveland. Sounds like it's actually better news than we initially thought. I don't think that means he returns this year, uh, despite some of the crazy reports. Um, this one's going to be tough. And we've had a lot of running back discussions back and forth here. This guy was holding his own. He was one of the three or four players in this league that was 10 million plus per year and worth every dime. He was on just under 11 million this year. You know, that was going to be just fine. It's a real McCaffrey type thought process here. The cash number jumps to 12.2 million next year. That's the last year of his contract. He's going to be almost 29 years old at the start of that season. He is heading towards 28 right now. 
it's a 15.8 cap. There's 4 million of dead cap. That's, uh, you know, generally speaking, in any other scenario, this would be a slam dunk. The Browns are 100% going to get out of this. I'd say it's 99.5% that they get out of this contract, even if they want to bring this guy back. Um, that's my initial thought process here is they dump out of this contract, they free up the 11 and a half million and they work out some sort of, even if it's a two for, I don't know, 12 kind of thing, right? Where he can get half of that, that 12 and a half million back fully guaranteed next year at age 29. They want him in the fold for one more season. So I, I guess that's my early read on this is that they rip up the 12 million cash and maybe turn it into a two for 12 and half guarantee it just to bring him back slowly and let him kind of process. Because look, this defense is ready to win. Obviously, the quarterback is fully locked in place. It sounds like Amari Cooper might get a new contract here soon. He'll be an expiring contract after 2023. So the pieces are there. And Joku signed. Many of the offensive linemen are signed. Miles Garrett signed. Denzel Ward signed. There's just, there are locked in contracts left and right, up and down all over this roster. I don't think that they just want to hand the keys to Jerome Ford and maybe a second round pick next year and say, what do we have from here? It feels like that he, he, he can still contribute to this roster and really any roster. So again, I still think they dump out of this contract, free up the March cap with the wink, wink notion that we're going to bring you back on something modified that kind of works for everybody, especially coming off the injury and with your age restriction now in place. So I don't think it's, it's all over. However, all of this rides on the fact that Nick Chubb has to fully recover and, and is able to play football again. And I'm in no place to say that he can. Trevon Diggs, brother of Stefan Diggs, equally as good on that side of the ball, an absolute interception machine. I believe the number is 18 over the first two and a half seasons, three seasons, three and a half seasons, excuse me. Uh, just recently signed a five for $97 million extension. One of the big pieces that Dallas deemed necessary for the next two to three years. Really, it's a two-year guarantee. Um, and thank God it's here now. It's 34 and change fully guaranteed over the next two years. It is 44 million over the next three. Dallas loves to do this. They front load. They fully guarantee two years. And then there's a ton of term with non-early vesting guarantees that the team kind of wins on. And unfortunately, now with this injury, you know, we don't even know if this guy can be back for the start of next training camp. Most likely it's going to be around there, uh, but this could trickle into 2024 season. So before you even blink, the digs guarantees are going to be come and gone. There is a 9 million March vesting in 2025. So it's pretty likely as long as he can return to full health that he gets through the 2025 season on this contract, but then it's completely year to year. And that even includes a couple of cap conversions probably next year and the year after that. Um, none of it's going to do enough dead cap damage to make 2026 an absolute certainty. So at, at the worst, they're riding through next year, fully guaranteed 12 million cash. And I think for the best case scenario for Diggs is he returns to full health, gets three for 44 out of this thing, and then has to live with it for at least a year, maybe two years before in 2027, they can rip it up at his, at his age 30 season and start over. But this was supposed to be a nice early deal for him where he was going to bank early, get out, you know, work off that modified salary cap. That's going to be approaching 300 million by the time it's at this point and really go from there. And I'm not saying that still can't happen for him because he is a ball hawk, 
but this certainly derails in, in terms of his stability on this contract. It derails the first year and a half of it for no, with no question. But again, glad it's here because this could be year four of his rookie contract an expiring rookie contract. You hit this injury and now it's just question marks left and right. Now Dallas has to wonder what they do, right? It's probably a franchise tag like they did with Tony Pollard, who was in a very similar situation this time last year. And, and now he's year to year. So at least Trevon Diggs has 2024 locked in under his belt, though it's less than what a franchise tag would be, and pretty decent you know, chance at getting the 2025 season, though if the wheels fall off here, Dallas can certainly cut bait in March of 2025. Here's one from back in the training camp days, Jalen Ramsey. Have we forgot about him? <laughs> The Miami Dolphins acquired Jalen Ramsey this past March. Um, can you imagine if he was in the fold coming off just a phenomenal first three weeks and obviously the 70 pointer last night? Um, you know, this guy's going to be back at some point in time. He's on, you know, the four year pop here in terms of the IR return. It's possible that they don't need him now for a while and they can slow play this process as good teams tend to do with their players. He's fully guaranteed through 2024. So he restructured his contract into a three for 55, basically took the guaranteed money left over from LA, cycled into a three-year plan so that they could easily control the cap this year and fit in all these superstars, which is clearly a successful plan thus far out of the gate. But this guy's in the fold, not just this year, but also next year. Um, it's a 27 and change cap it for 2024. So there's obviously a cap conversion coming and at least the roster bonus, maybe even more. Um, there's going to be miles to feed. We're going to talk about Miami's future here in a second, but just wanted to bring him back in here because I forgot. Right? And uh, I think after watching three games, it looks like a team that doesn't even need a player like this, but this guy is most likely going to be around come Thanksgiving. As long as things heal up properly, maybe they, maybe, they, maybe it gets a little longer than that. But, um, you know, it was a freaky training camp injury. This guy was brought in to supplant that corner, that secondary. And that secondary looks strong. We'll see how they can hold up against Buffalo next week. But X Howard restructures the stage. Jalen Ramsey, Ramsey traded with a restructure to stick around and make things work for everybody. And uh, at some point in time, this entire arsenal is going to be together. And it's going to be massively paid, massively talented, and from all intents, from what we can see on the field, massively successful. So... Uh, this guy's coming and he's going to be here through next year. No question about that. And then uh, 2025 is a big turning point for a lot of players on this roster, as I'll talk about here in a second. All right, very quickly, I mentioned Miami 70 point game yesterday against Denver. Um, I would be remiss if I didn't talk Denver here. It's been something I've been meaning to bring up here for the first three weeks of the season. I was waiting for, I don't know, not the train to, you know, to collide. And I don't think that's what happened yesterday, by the way. Um, it's not fair right now to say that Russell Wilson is not holding up his end of the bargain this year. He's playing better than he's been, than he was last year. He's an improved quarterback. The offense isn't great, but I think they're slightly above average. If you started to run the numbers a little bit, he's made his mistakes. Wilson, um, there's still a lot of new there. At least there's some consistency from last year on that side of the ball. Anybody with an eyeball would have saw that this defense was already weak coming into it and then lost a couple of players in training camp to injuries and they just don't have it. They just don't have the bodies by any, by any regard. Now they spent a hell of a lot of money on their secondary, both in draft capital and actual free agent dollars. And the fact that they got torched yesterday is 
certainly deflating for a team that I think allocated more than most teams would ever consider in that regard and would expect to get X production back out of that. But I'm, I'm here to talk Russ because this contract is going to come back into the fold at some point because he's the quarterback of this team that is sliding backwards. And if they lose to the Bears next week, look out. Okay, look out for where this could be headed. Russ, is right. Russ right now is fully guaranteed through 2024. And a lot of people say, okay, that sounds great. Well, we're not done. <laughs> okay. So that means the $28 million this year, obviously locked in. The $39 million next year, fully locked in. When we get to the fifth day of next year, which is March 19th, I believe, $37 million from 2025, fully guarantees. All right. And then there's a $4 million injury guarantee on 2026. So there's another $41 million to be to be locked in later, next March, essentially. Four of that for injury. And another $39 million due next year. That's where we're at right now. All right? So if we assume, and that's I've always assumed, you can see the outline in, in his contract on spotrate.com right now. If we assume this is getting through 2025 somehow, even that if it includes a buyout or certainly a trade somewhere else, we've still got another 104 million to go, right? This year, next year, in 2025. That's that's just it's an awful lot of money for the scenario they're in, right? That's a true 35 million per year. It's a lot of coin, even when you adjust the APY. Certainly when you take in age, certainly when you take in production and wins and all of that. If they don't turn things around, there's a very real world where Russell Wilson is cut before that March 18th, 19th vest date next year, okay? In other words, the owner of Walmart and the front office and Sean Payton and Denver come together and say, hey, the best path forward is just to buy this out and not have to swallow it and not have to put it on the field, right? Because if you're paying this guy to play, you got to play him, all right? I mean, $104 million to sit on the bench even for an NFL franchise that's absolutely monstrously, ridiculously rich, they're not going to sit that guy. They're just not, which means they're not going to do right by their franchise. They're not going to start the process over. They're not going to, you know, bring in the quarterback and play the quarterback. Now, maybe that's what happens here. Okay. Maybe, maybe what happens is they lose so many games, they get themselves into Drake Mace, you know, Caleb Williams, Drake make type stuff next draft. Do they have a first-round pick? Are they able to get up that high? Would they sit a player like that behind Russell Wilson for two years? To me, none of it is good. There's not a good option here at all. Which brings me back to what I said. I think the best option here, if it stays on this path, is simply to pay Russell Wilson $39 million next, next March to go away and take a, an unbelievable dead cap hit, by the way, Okay, an unbelievable dead cap hit, but not let 2025 vest. Because if it looks like it does right now through all 23, it will now have been all of 22, all of 2023. And how much more can you do to your franchise? How much more? You can put Jared Stidham out there. It's not going to fix this contract. Okay. And, you know, you can say cash is cash and cap is cap. And, they're going to do whatever they have to do just to kind of let this thing ride. We're starting to see more teams basically say, screw it. I'm getting out of this thing right now. 
all right, in a very in a very baseball way, not unlike what the Mets have done. Okay, they got into a situation, they read it, they they read it quickly as holy crap, this isn't going to work, and they paid literal cash to get out as much as humanly possible by August first, so that at least for next year they can start some of the process over, some of it, not all of it. It's not a rip the bandaid off situation, nor will it be for Denver, who has some bodies paid here. But this right here, this one position. And again, I don't think Russ is playing awful right now. He's average. He's an average quarterback. But if they don't want to keep this on the field, if they want to restart this process, I think buying him out next March is the right plan. And that would include $39 million cash in his pocket and a hell of a lot of dead cap and a lot of pain for 2024. But at least they won't have to sit this out through 2024 and then through 2025, which is what happens next March 19th when 2025 fully guarantees. So wanted to get it out there. Again, I don't think this is all Russ. Certainly wasn't yesterday with 70 to 20, but we know where this is going. We know who generally takes the blame. I don't think it's going to be Sean Payton take the blame. Not at least this year, right? Not this early. And now this is year two of Russ. So you know where this is going to fall eventually. So let's just prepare, be prepared for the options. And I do think this is a significant option going forward. All right, let's switch gears to a team. I mentioned the Dolphins. Everybody's talking Dolphins. Big Dolphins-Bills matchup coming this Sunday. Certainly an AFC contender situation there. But let's talk about the Dolphins specifically because it hasn't been that they limped into this and now they're just kind of showing up out of nowhere. They bought this. They bought this scenario. They knew what they were getting into. They at least knew what they thought they would have with Tua. And they started to feverishly build around him. Um, Certainly the Mike McDaniel stuff brought in a new style, right? A new style, a new way to build this roster than they've ever had in their life. Uh, it's the it's the San Francisco Kyle Shanahan model. You can see it all over the field. It's fast and it's powerful and it's deep and it's expensive and it's going to get more expensive, all right? So yesterday, massive runs out of Mostert, A-Chain, and Chris Brooks, okay? And if you didn't know who he was, I didn't either. I had to look him up on my own site because... You know, I didn't have UDFA from BYU in my back pocket, but that's who that was, ripping off 60-yard runs. Um, They had a chain in in the first year of his rookie contract. Chris Brooks, the first year of his UDFA contract. Mostert's in a a two-year contract, right? Fully guaranteed through 2023 only. So he's going to be nice and cheap at around 2.7 million cash next year. They haven't even brought Jeff Wilson into the fold yet this year because of his injury. He's probably going to be a you know a week six, week seven return. He's guaranteed through 2023 with about three million next year. So just running back alone weapons, if they pay out six million total, they can keep all four of these players next year. Wilson, Mostert, Chain, and Brooks. All who clearly have some talent in this league right now. All under contract through contract through 2024. None of them guaranteed but all with reasonable salaries that if you just add them up down the line, cost the, cost the Dolphins about $6 million. To me, they are rock solid there as long as everybody stays healthy and returns for 2024. I'm skipping the quarterback position because uh, it's obviously a bigger conversation here. Tyreek Hill is, is locked in through 2026, but we can call this 2024 and then maybes, all right? Because there's really nothing to talk about in 2025 and 2026 in terms of early guarantees outside of $1 million roster bonuses in March, 
in 2026 was always going to be a funny money year. There's 45 million cash built into it. It's a backload trick by the agent to get this thing up to 30 million a year. So next year essentially is the line of demarcation for Tyreek Hill. He'll be 30 years old. He's going to make almost 20 million next year. It's all fully guaranteed um, based on this year's March festing. So he's rock solid through 2024. And then again, it's question marks after that, even though he looks like a top three receiver in the league again in 2023. Jalen Waddell didn't play this week after suffering concussions last week. He is in year three of his rookie contract, which means he, be- he becomes extension eligible after 2023. So sometime in January, they can start those discussions. It's going to be fascinating to see where this ends up because obviously he and Tua and a couple other defensive players are going to be up here. And they're going to have to work on staggering this stuff a little bit because if they are this team, if they are who they are right now, and we thought this was going to happen based on last year's performance and the ramping up we saw coming into the free agency period, if this is who they are, this is one of those scenarios where Waddle may have to wait, right? This might be a T. Higgins type conversation where Hill is paid, Hill is fully guaranteed to 2024. Um, if we just wait one more year, get you through year four, there's still a fifth-year option in 2025 for Jalen Waddle. So they do have time on their side if they're Miami, if they can keep this guy happy. And I think the conversation I just had with you is, look, let's look on Track where Tyreek Hill's line is, and it's after 2024. So either we're, we're going to have to restructure him then to keep him in the fold, or we're going to work out with him, you know, move some money up from that $45 million cash into 2025, make him happy, keep him on that contract, and move the line down to 2025. And we'll redo do you after 2024. I think that's where we're headed. You know, they, the the Dallas Cowboys did have are doing this with CeeDee Lamb. Justin Jefferson's getting this treatment right now. T. Higgins, as I mentioned, it's becoming more and more of a trend, especially if you have to figure out your quarterback contract sort of in the same time frame, which is obviously what's happening here with Miami. So the Waddle stuff, I think, is going to be one year down the road, even though he becomes extension eligible in December, January after the regular season ends. Uh, they're a little thin outside of that. You know, Braxton Berrios, Cedric Wilson, uh, both UFAs next year. And uh, and that's kind of it. So this could be an area where, especially with Hill and Waddle's contracts sort of coming down the pipeline, that they want to add a decent third option here. But that could come via tight end as well. All right. They've got two tight ends under contract after 2023. Something they're just going to continue to do and do and do and do. It's the offensive line, though, that we got to talk about here. Um. Tron Armstead signed a new deal, massive deal, $20 million per year after this year. And uh, he's locked in through 2026. So no issues with the left tackle stuff it's, as long as he's healthy. But Connor Williams, Austin Jackson, Robert Hunt, Isaiah Wynn, Kendall Lamb, all right? Major contracts. Four of the five there are UFAs in March. Austin Jackson has a fifth-year option here coming up that they have essentially you know, made a decision on that it's going to go away, all right? So they've got five legitimate UFAs coming after this upcoming season. And uh, at least four of those are legitimate starters in the offensive line. Big area of concern, especially with your concussion prone quarterback standing behind them every single snap. So definitely an area of discussion. Even if they like this group, there's going to be a lot of money thrown at it just to keep it together. If this group ends up working out, you know, Four of the guys on this list right now have 100% snaps in 2023 in this early season. Connor Williams, Austin Jackson, Robert Hunt, Kendall Lamb. Isaiah Wynn's played almost 100% of the snaps. That's where we are right now. 
So if this group is working and clearly something's working right now, massive extensions coming just to keep this group together. Defensive line, similar conversation. Okay, Manuel Ogba is locked in. Zach Sealer, brand new contract locked in. Christian Wilkins needs a deal. He's going to be a UFA. He's not a tag candidate on a defensive tackle position, in my opinion. Um, he's going to need some kind of contract. They try to get something done before the season didn't get there. So that's going to be an area of concern as well. So we've got four offensive linemen, Christian Wilkins. I think they wait on Jalen Waddle, And of course, Tua, right? Of course, Tua, which is a massive, massive conversation here because he's the favorite to win the MVP right now, as we talked about last show. This is a real deal. I told you this was coming. I saw this guy twice in person last year. Um, he has the it stuff. He just can't stay upright. And he is right now. And he's got the weapons around him, certainly from a running back perspective, to dish and dump and, and scoop and, and all that, right? And, and the playbook is built, I think, a little bit better this year to protect him. And they're going to use four running backs because four running backs cover up one quarterback pretty nicely, especially if those guys can block. And I think that's a massive, massive thing they, they, they planned on this offseason. So if Tua stays this way, and I believe he will, I believe the structure, the roster construction, the play calling is built now to protect Tua. It's a funny game, I know. But I'm telling you what I'm seeing. This guy's going to be the next man up, all right? He was damn close to mathematically valuing as the next man up coming into this offseason, heading into March with the modified season last year based with the concussions in full. He was already playing from a productivity standpoint to be that next $50 million quarterback. He's obviously there now, right? I'm going to run the numbers after we get it in this, get it in this morning, and he's going to be a 52 to $53 million valuation, right? Which just basically says out loud with a little bit of negotiation work, you're 55 and a half million past Joe Burrow. All right. And here's the other part of it. The guy who he's sort of negotiating with or against Trevor Lawrence, not the greatest start to the year. Fine. Sort of, you know, slightly above average, but two has blown him out of the water from a productivity standpoint. So now all the conversation turns to him, right? Because the other guys are Kirk Cousins, Ryan Tannehill, Dak Prescott, those are the guys now looking for contract extensions with the respective teams. If we just put that list of six players together, Tua is a mile and a half ahead of them in first place, and then it's everybody else below them. So um, where he's headed right now is just no-brainer stuff for me. No-brainer stuff. We know all the metrics, 220, you know, 208 over four, 55 a year. The, the, all the guarantee stuff is in play. Will they be smart about it? Will they structure it to be a little bit team protective because of his injury history? Most likely. It's probably going to look a little bit like Kyler Murray stuff where there's big workout bonuses uh, that can devalue the process a little bit if he misses it because of injury and things like that. So there'll be some drawback, pullback. It won't be the strongest, most stable contract we've seen in NFL history, but it might be the biggest and it might be the biggest. And if he's healthy, he might get all that money in the next four seasons based on how we're seeing quarterback contracts structured right now. So again, two is on a pace where you can't do anything but extend him this offseason to, to a massive, gigantic Joe Burrow type contract. I think the running backs are all good. You just bring the four back and let the keep them under contract. Maybe you guarantee some of their money up front because they're going to be a big part of this conversation come December. Tyreek's good through 2024, and then we'll have to talk a little bit. Jalen Waddle's probably going to have to wait, but he's fully guaranteed through 2025 when he exercises fifth-year option. Probably need to backfill a wide receiver, though. Offensive line and Christian Wilkins are the real comp complications here, all right, because you're about to lose all of them right now to free agency, all of them. And all of them are playing well enough to keep. 
all of them are playing well enough to keep around for multiple multiple years inside the Super Bowl contention window. So uh, the Bills went through this two years ago, and they almost kept everybody. Now, they lost some players last year, right? Tremaine Edmonds, a couple of those guys. Levi Wallace, I think, was a cut casualty two years ago. But most of them, right, the Milanos, those guys all came back. Many of the offensive linemen, Deion Dawkins, got, got an extension. Mitch Morse got a couple of extensions. The Bills were here. And you saw six or seven or eight really big contract extensions about two years ago. And they started to stagger. They brought in Allen's contract a year after that. They redid Diggs a year after that. So they did stagger some of the more notable things. I think that's how this is just going to have to be. They're going to have to take their medicine this coming offseason and, and bring back at least 75% of that offensive line. I think Christian Wilkins gets the deal, but they might not. They might, dis- they might decide that's a, that's a position we can draft and start over on and get 85% of the production and live with it because the, uh, the financial benefits and gains will be worth it to us right now. But 75% of that in the trenches conversations probably coming back in March on extensions to a, I'm just going to assume right now is coming back on an extension after 2023. And then you got Waddle in 2024, maybe Tyree kill again in 2025 and they'll keep the train moving. But Hell of a lot of cash paid out. And we haven't even talked secondary. Why? Because they've already dumped so much into it, right? I mean, the ex-Howard restructure was massive. Obviously, the, the Jalen Ramsey restructure, as we talked about, was massive. They do have some draft picks that can maybe, you know, temper things a little bit here. But even Jason Sanders, their kicker, is extremely well paid in terms of top five in the league right now for kickers. So um, there's contracts all over the board here, and I don't think it's going any, any or away anytime soon. They have... Uh, Good players playing good ball on a team that's going to be top three in this league now until they're not. I mean, they're built this way. So just be ready. It's going to be a fever of extensions like we saw in Buffalo two years ago, like we saw in Dallas this past offseason because they know who they are. They know who they want to be. And a lot of these players now aren't just good football players. They fit this mold. And this is a very specific mold that has come over from San Francisco to Miami and, uh, a lot of these guys have to be brought back to kept in place. Again, I think the weapons can be interchangeable. So something could give a little bit with the wide receiver room. I think after 2024, right, after this that next line of demarcation, a lot of the running backs will be turned over, which is going to be everybody's case soon. But in the trenches, look for some stability, like we've seen in, in San Francisco, right? Kept a lot of the old linemen on long-term deals. A lot of the defensive linemen came back more than probably they, that a lot of teams would have done because those are the positions where you can't screw around too much. They got to be good, solid, consistent, experienced so that you can play games with your Debo Samuels and even your secondary and things like that and really kind of game plan properly because of the athletes you have versus the just the hogs on the trenches. So expect major, major contract money coming to the defensive and offensive lines with Miami and then Tua's conversation is going to be real very, very, very soon. Okay, we'll be back uh, this Thursday. Might have some more news to talk about here. I mean, Minnesota's going to start blowing things up, I-, I would say, very shortly. Very, very shortly. The Jets are going to have to make a change. Change One, one, one note I thought of this, uh, this past year, a week watching football. It's funny to me that a team like San Francisco with a seventh rounder, right, Mr. Irrelevant, a well-constructed roster, and I think a really intelligent coach, obviously, can just go out there and do their thing. And a similar team in the Jets, and I, and I do think the Jets have a, a similar roster. Defensively, they're, they're on paper, they're outstanding. 
The O-line is nothing like San Francisco's, and that's certainly the deficiency. But Brees Hall's a, a, an actual guy, right? Delvin Cook, I don't even know what's happening there. Garrett Wilson is an actual guy. But without a quarterback, that team just fell off a truck, right? Zach Wilson reverted everything back to the last three years of Jets football immediately, instantly. It's funny to me how there are certain franchises that can live without an all-star quarterback. And there are most that the second that quarterback goes away, their entire world crashes around them. It's fascinating to me um, because we do have systems now. We, right, we have systems. This feels like 90s 49ers football where everybody was trying to copy them. Well, I have to imagine that's what's happening here, right? This discussion I just had on Miami, it is in conjunction with everything San Francisco has already done for the past decade and building up through the Garoppolo years, through the Alex Smith years even, right? It was all leading to this. It's fascinating that so many of these franchises just can't get here, right? They just can't do it. There are a lot of teams right now trying to get the quarterback, Carolina, Chicago, just get the quarterback. And I wonder, and I wonder if that's exactly the backwards thinking plan right now, because that's not what San Francisco's thinking. Now they did it, right? I, I don't know that this Trey Lance stuff will ever be understood unless there's a 30 for 30 where everybody's extremely candid and we understand what the hell happened. They, at some point they thought we have to go and get the quarterback because we're not good enough. Well, they are good enough. They are good enough with Garoppolo. They are good enough with Brock Purdy. They are good enough with, I think, anybody right now with a, with a brain and an arm. Why don't the, the Bears do this? Okay, They haven't had a quarterback in three decades, truly. Why don't they just say, instead of tanking every year and trying to find the quarterback in the draft every year, let's just go and build the best freaking roster we can build. Okay, Now, this is against something I've said as well. But the consistency between this point now and the point I've made before is they're not ready for a quarterback. Okay, Carolina wasn't ready for a quarterback at all. They were still ripping pieces away, let alone building back up. The Bears need to spend four years being the most boring team in football, not tank for Caleb Williams. That's not what this team needs to do. This team needs to tank for the left tackle, and the interior defensive lineman who can also rush, rush, rush the passer, and the off-ball inside linebacker. Well, they did sign two pretty good ones this year. How about the ball hawk cornerback, a Trevon Diggs, who's going to make an impact every game, if not an interception every game? Okay, They need those players. Certainly, they need depth on the offensive line. They gave away a running game that was one of the most successful games in the entire league last year. They just handed it away and said, we're just going to build it on the fly with a couple of young kids who are way cheaper that we don't have to pay in free agency. Completely backwards thinking. You took more away from Justin Fields instead of handing him more. Sure, you gave him DJ more. Guy's on an island out there. Build the best damn roster and then drop a quarterback into it. And maybe that seventh rounder picked with the last pick in the draft to keep him away from the EDFA system just might be enough. That's what's happening in San Francisco. That's what I think some of these teams that have been dying for decades to get a quarterback need to start doing. Build a roster. Build a 53, 52-man roster and then make that 53rd person your next quarterback and just see if that'll work. Because right now, what the Bears are doing is just throwing away money. Throwing away money year after year. They should not be tanking for Caleb Williams. 
They should be tanking for more draft picks, better draft picks that they can package up to get the best 53-man roster possible, and then it's time to get the quarterback. That's not where they're there. They're not there yet. Okay. First guy on my name is Mike Chenetti. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Spot Trick Podcast.